Hey, LifePoint family, we're gonna get to the message in just a moment, so don't turn this off. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to be a part of what we call a tradition around here. We don't have very many, but it's our one tradition. And so no matter if you're a part of a campus or you're a part of our online family, really doesn't matter your zip code, your state, your country, we wanna invite you to be a part of this season because together we're a part of something really, really special. You know, this is a season where we stretch our faith, where we align our heart around the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And we're, we're theming this series, Here I Am. And it's not really a series, it's a season. It's an opportunity for us to say, God, I'm available. And you know, we conclude every year with an offering, a, a gift over and above our regular giving, where we just say, God, here I am, stretch my faith, align my heart to yours. And I wanna personally invite you to be a part of that. Maybe you'd consider a one-time gift or, or maybe you'd give a reoccurring gift. However you do it, we just want you to be a part. I want you to go to lifepoint.org give to see how you can participate today. And I want you to know this, that whatever you give, we're very, very grateful. I know this season has been challenging for all of us and we're convinced now more than ever that people need the life and the love and the hope that a ministry like this brings. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being a part. And together, we're making a difference in the lives of so many. Now, I hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, how about our dream team? I saw pictures this morning, every campus, umbrellas, walking people in the rain, loving on people today. Come on, you can do much better than that. They served you today so you could have church. Couldn't be more grateful for our dream team. Best in the world, come on. I was about to say the country, but we have people that are part of our family now online around the world. So I'm gonna say best around the world. I love this season as a church. We're heading into one of our only traditions. Um, I don't think we're really seen as a traditional church in the ways that you would think about it. Um, but we do have one big tradition and it's that we end the year with appreciation for all that God has done in the year. And, and some of you are thinking, I don't have much to be appreciative of, uh, but I would, I, would, I would counter your thought with this. You're still here. You're here. You're moving forward. God's still faithful in your life. You, you still have opportunity for a brighter tomorrow. So we, we end it with appreciation, but we also end it with anticipation, believing God for greater things in the year ahead. That we're anticipating everything that God wants to do in our future. Really believe that the best is always yet to come. That's not just hype or just preacher talk, like it's theology. That, that with our God, it's, it's only getting better and better. And the end is great. Eternity with Him. So it just gets better and better. But we end, the, end our year with appreciation and with anticipation. And, and we end it with a way to stretch our faith, align our heart, align our heart with God's heart. And and we, we, uh, we stretch our faith. We, we say, God, do something fresh in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I wanna end the year better. I don't, I don't wanna just be like, can I, can I cross off 2020? I don't wanna have any wasted years in my life. I don't wanna have any wasted seasons in my life. I wanna come out stronger. I wanna come out better. Come on, I know Spotsy's with me today. I know Richmond, Fred's having a problem, especially in the uppers up there. But come on, I know Culpepper's amen in me. But I wanna end the year better. And so we culminate this year on December the 13th, this season in, in what we call our Kingdom Builder offering. And, 
It's just an opportunity for us to say, God, thank you so much for your goodness in our life. And, and God, we're believing for greater, which we're sowing into our future. And, and so I want you to be praying about that. Three things I ask you to do that Tammy and I ask you to do every year. Number one is pray and legitimately, seriously pray. Ask God, what does God want you to do? And, uh, and I think if you obey God, you will, you'll be very fulfilled. And then number two is prepare. Like begin preparing now and then, and then make it a point to be with us on the 13th of December and then give. And I believe God will do something incredible through your life. And, and if you're visiting, you're like, oh, I think I'll come back on the Sunday after the 13th. Um, I just want to say, this isn't six weeks about giving. It's six weeks about stretching your faith, building your faith. It's about, it's about getting you closer to Jesus. Um, but it's also not a weird season for us. We're not a stingy people. You just gotta know that about our church. We're not a stingy people. We're an incredibly generous church and I believe our generosity goes places that we can never go, makes a difference in the people around us. And so, so I'm, I'm excited. I, I love this season of the year. I love this time. And, and then we get to go into Christmas and we'll, we'll see a whole lot of people. Hey, how about this? 1,040 people have given their life to Christ this year. Come on, ain't no lockdown gonna stop the gospel. Feeling good. Hey, let's pray together. Get our hearts ready for God's word. Father, we love you. We open our hearts and our minds to you. We want to hear what you want to say to us. Uh, more than we need any other voice, we need the voice of God. And so we pray you do that today. Pray that this word would change our hearts and change our lives. May we, may we apply it and may we never be the same. Pray that you help me to deliver in the way you delivered it to my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a big amen. Amen. How many of you know we live in a culture that likes production, likes production. Come on, if you, if you know what I mean. I'm not talking about production like you experience on a weekend, like likes camera um, action. And uh, by the way, don't our teams do a great job? See, teams do a great job, all of our campuses. Hey, I, I don't know if y'all know how stressful it is to like have an online thing happening and then an in-room thing happening and then a other campuses thing. And there's people with switchers and buttons and all this stuff I don't understand. It's a lot of stress. And they're all dream team. Come on, somebody. We have an amazing team making all this happen. But, but I'm talking about production, like producing something. We like to produce, and rightly so. Like, uh, just if you get paid at a job, you should produce whatever that job expects you to produce. Come on, everybody said amen. All the business owners said a good amen in the house of God today, right? If you're in school, you're expected to produce something, right? Like, all the teachers, can I get an amen? Like, you're expected, if you go to class, they want you to produce a paper, if you're expected to write the paper and then get a, a good grade on that. At least the, the parents should be with me on this. Like, we're expected to produce whenever, whenever an athlete gets paid. Like this is why I have, I have no, um, no compassion whatsoever when it, you were paid on the average, when you break it down, your catches, you were paid a million dollars to catch that ball. A million dollars, you didn't catch it and they want to fire you. I got no problem with that. Are y'all with me? Because you should be able to produce if you're getting that much money to catch one ball that's flying through the air. All the Washington team, all the Washington fans are like, yes. Because our team cannot catch a ball. Come on, somebody. Just kidding. The Cowboys can't keep a quarterback healthy either. But hey, that's another, that's another subject, right? And so, expect to produce. But here's my concern is this, is that when it comes to our faith in God, that we apply that same mental thought to our faith. And so we begin to think that, well, 
if I'm going to be in good standing with God, then I've got to produce at a certain level. Are y'all with me? That we can begin to think like, oh, well, some people, because we play this comparison game in all areas of our life, that some people are, are like first round draft picks to God and they're just crushing it and they're super spiritual and they're amazing, but I'm like a 15th round, number 122 of the 15th round. Like the program has gone off the air. They're still making draft picks and that's me. All right. Are y'all with me today? Okay. And so we think that like God puts it, and most of the time we're not thinking of ourselves on the positive side. The majority of the time we're not thinking, man, I'm just crushing this, this faith thing. I'm just, I'm just really in, I'm really walking with God in a powerful way. I'm really doing an amazing job at this. We, we most of the time aren't on that side of, of things. We're most likely on the other side going, um, I don't measure up and, and I, I did good yesterday, but today I cussed somebody out and, and I, I did all right in this area, but I'm not doing great in this area. And I, I don't pray enough and I don't give enough and I don't serve enough and, I, and all of these kind of things. And we think, wow, God, I must be like not someone that God would want on his team because I'm, I'm broken or, or I'm, I'm definitely not a first round because of, of the divorce. I'm definitely not a first round draft pick because I was molested when I was little. I'm definitely not a first round draft pick because I'm, I'm really still struggling with pornography and can't seem to get free of that. And I'm definitely, not, I'm definitely not someone that God would want me to use. And we got this idea in our mind that God is just out for production. But I wanna say this to you, that maybe God isn't as concerned about your ability as he is your availability. That just maybe, that just maybe God is just looking for some people that will go, here I am. With all my mess, with all the baggage of my past, with all the challenges, with all the issues, God, I just want you to know that here I am. And when I look throughout the scripture, I find that God uses a whole lot of people that were just available. Think about Moses with me for a moment. Moses in the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, Moses is a God that led the nation of Israel out of slavery and bondage after 400 years of captivity. But rewind a little bit in Moses' life, and he's also the God that murdered somebody. And then he was also a fugitive because he ran. Like Moses was on Egypt's most wanted. He was in all the post offices in Egypt. Are y'all following me? Some of y'all have not smiled at anything I've said, and I've been relatively funny this morning. I mean, I'm not saying it's 100%, but I've been at least 75% funny. But Moses is like a fugitive from the law. He's running and God uses him to lead nation of Israel out of bondage. Why? Because he was available. Not because he was perfect, he was available. I think about King David. King David led Israel he was a man after God's own heart. All these amazing things. Even if you go there today, when I go there and talk to people, they still revere King David. I mean, we're thousands of years later and the people of Israel still revere King David today. But David was also the guy that slept with Bathsheba who was not his wife and she was married to somebody else. He's also the guy that sent Bathsheba's husband back to battle with a note saying, pull everybody back on the front lines of the battle and let him get slaughtered. This is that guy, but he was available and God used him. 
I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, somewhere between 13 and 15 years old, most likely. And when the angel of the Lord came to her, this always cracks me up. The angel of the Lord come to her, you know, the Christmas story. Mary, you are highly favored of God. You're gonna give birth to a son and he will save his people from his sins. But what the angel didn't say is that for nine months, you're gonna be out of wedlock pregnant and try to convince your fiance that it's God's baby. Come on, that's like Jerry Springer stuff. Some of you are like, I don't need any God's favor. All the women are like, God, no favor here. Like, no favor. Don't want any favor on my life. Don't want that kind. But then through Mary, the savior of the world comes because she was available. I think about Peter, the disciple Peter, such a hothead. Such a hothead. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is just surrendered to the will of the Father. Not my will, but your be done. You, you may be familiar with that whole story. Then the guards come because Judas, the one that turned his back on Jesus and ratted him out and got, did it for a little bit of money, shows up, says that's the one. They go over to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? He gets out a blade. Why? Because Jerry, G, Peter carried a knife. I'm just saying, I always want people around me that are half saved. Little bit of Jesus, little bit of hood. Come on, somebody. I feel like you can change the world with some people like that. They're still not afraid to walk up in the bar they just came out of two months ago and say, you need the Jesus. They're not afraid to walk up in the middle of the drug deal and go, look what he did for me. He can do it for you. Some of you have got too saved where you won't even be around people that are far from God anymore. You know what I'm saying? I love Peter. What Peter do though, he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people began the first church. Why? Because he was available? Not because he was good. In addition to cutting the guy's ear off in the garden of Gethsemane, he denied Jesus three times when he needed a friend. And so because Moses was available, a nation was saved. Because David was available, Israel had a king after God's own heart. Because Mary was available, the Son of God came into the earth. Because Peter was available, the church was planted. And I just wonder for your life, what will they say about you because you were available? Because your name was available, what story will be written? Not because you were perfect, not because you had figured it all out, not because you had got it all together, but simply because you said, God, I may not have a whole lot of ability, but I've got a whole lot of availability. And so do with me, do through me, whatever it is you wanna do in my life, I'm available, here I am. I just wonder if there's anybody in this church that would say, God, here I am. God, use me. God, do something through me. God, work in and through my life. And that's what this whole season is about. I thought it was we were going to an offering. But the offering is only the expression of something happening in your heart, which in your heart is saying, I'm available. Because newsflash, God doesn't need anything from you. But he definitely wants something for you. And that's for you to live a surrendered life. And so I want, I want us to look at John chapter 6 today and a story where Jesus, the disciples, and another individual... And we see these two things that I'm hoping stretch and grow in you over the next few weeks. And it's this, it's availability and it's faith. It's availability and it's faith. And I'll just say this with you, that, that just pre-warn you, that 
when you stretch the muscle of faith, you'll get sore. If so, at the end of this, you're not sore. You may have done it wrong. <laughs> if you're with me, say amen. John chapter six, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna have fun whether you do or not. John chapter six, Jesus um, has just done some amazing ministry as always. And, uh, and it says this, that in, in verse five, that when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd, crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy food for these people to eat? So, so Jesus has been doing ministry and we find out later in the text about around verse 10 or so that it was about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So um, safe estimate, about 20,000 people. Can you, can you just imagine that though? Like 20,000 people walking towards you. Like Jesus' ministry, like it's so amazing what he has done. He's, he's loved on people that no one will love on and he's cared for people no one else would care for. And he's kind of flown in the face of the religious establishment of the day. And he's done miracles and he's done signs and wonders. Can I just add a caveat in that if we'll be a church that loves on people that no one else wants to love on and will believe God for signs and wonders and miracles, I'm telling you, we won't be able to build buildings fast enough to contain the people that want to be a part of something like that. So Jesus saw the crowd coming. That's fascinating to me. It's always interesting to me what catches the attention of Jesus. Because often what catches his attention isn't what catches our attention. The Bible said that what called his attention was the crowd. And as soon as he saw a crowd, his first thought was, how do I feed the crowd? Let me say it this way to you. Whatever gets your attention will get your affection. He saw the crowd, and when he saw them, something in him wanted to meet the need of the crowd. Because whatever gets your attention gets your affection. This is the question I want to ask you over the next few weeks. What's getting your attention? What gets your attention? I would propose, maybe this is a little early in the message to go this deep, but we're gonna go here. I would propose that for some of you, the subject of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask has maybe got more of your attention than Jesus in this season. Well, what's getting your attention? It's interesting to me that we even say it like this because so many things want your attention. Your, your career wants your attention, school wants your attention, students. Your professors want your attention, your teachers want your attention, career wants your attention, social media wants your attention, um, political campaigns want your attention right now, social wants your attention right now. So many things are vying for your attention in this season. Matter of fact, so much so that we say it like this, they want you to pay them attention. Isn't it interesting that those who want your attention understand your attention is currency? And they want you to pay them the currency of your attention because they understand if they can get your attention, they will get your affection. Come on, Apple understands if they can get your attention, they will get your affection. Come on, somebody. Businesses understand. I test drove a Tesla this week, not because I have any plans of buying it. I just heard it could go fast and I want to see how. And I'm not saying how fast because we have law enforcement, but it'll go. I'm just telling you, it will go. 
but they captured my attention with zero to something in so many seconds because they eventually wanted my what's getting your attention others is what got Jesus attention people is what got Jesus attention the needs of others is what got his the poor got his attention prostitutes got his attention those caught in the act of adultery got his attention. Tax collectors who nobody wanted to be around is the ones that got his attention. What's getting your attention? Because whatever gets your attention gets your affection. So what's getting your attention in this season? If I had to guess, and we're all susceptible, I'm with you in this. So many things are vying for it. It's so easy for so many things to get it. And it's not intentional, it's just a slow drift. The, your intention maybe used to be so locked in on God and the things of God and what God wanted for you and then so easily schedules happened and things happened and, and more demands on your time and more things were pulling for your attention and pulling for your attention and pulling for your attention and all of a sudden you wake up for a moment and go, wow, I've got, I've got, off, I've got off course and, and the good news is there's, there's new mercies every morning. Great is his faithfulness. But I just want to know what has your attention because whatever has your attention gets your affection. Does the church have your attention? I'm not talking about LifePoint Church. I'm talking about the thing Jesus died to build. The church. The people of God. Does it, does it have your attention? Because whatever gets it gets your affection. Are you following me? He said he saw the crowds and then he wanted to feed the crowds. You could say it in reverse too, that whatever gets your affection will end up getting your attention. Jesus said in Matthew that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So your heart lies in the places of your affection and whatever has your affection ends up getting your attention. Are you with me? And so he said to Philip, where are we gonna get food to eat all the, to feed all these people? And then Philip responds to him in this way in verse seven. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Come on, everybody, you with me? Okay, great. He said, uh, Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. We, we couldn't buy enough bread with eight months wages to even give everybody one bite. So, so in, in Jesus seeing the crowd and asking the question, he created a need. And in creating the need, Philip jumps to the conclusion that there isn't enough resource to meet the need. Some of us want God to remove all the needs from our life. But I would propose that God allows you to step into places of need because the need is necessary. Jesus could have saw the crowd coming, 20,000 people, and went, food. But he was wanting to do something in the life of Philip and the disciples that was greater than just him doing a miracle. And he needed, watch this, a need. It was necessary to produce the faith in them that he wanted to produce in them. Some of us have needs in our life, or let me say it this way. We have gaps in our life between where we are and where we want to be. Or maybe in this season, as you pray and you listen to God, you're going to have a gap between where you are and what you can produce and what you believe God is calling you to. But the gap is a gift. 
You can't walk through life seeing the gap as something to rebuke. Some of us are like, in the name of Jesus. We're kind of a prayer team. In the name of Jesus, rebuke this gap from my life. No, the gap is sometime a gift. The need is often necessary. Why? Because it's in the gap that I actually grow faith. It is in the gap between where I am and where God is calling me to be that I realize I don't have the resource. And that's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. Because when I think I can do it my own, when I think I have all the answers, when I think that I am the source of every resource in my life, I will get to the end of life realizing I got really good at playing the wrong game. And what a tragedy. I think there are too many people in this life that are excelling at a game, only they'll get to the end of the life and go, I played the wrong one my whole life. And the need exposes that. When you're put in a place where there's a need, it exposes your heart. Is this about me? Am I in control? Or am I surrendered to God? See, this season that we're in, and I would propose that most every season where God is stretching your faith, calling you to something greater is this. It's not about you getting more of God. I mean, I'm all about songs that are like, you know, wanting more of God. I love singing that God. Like, feel me, God, I want more of you. I would propose that in this season, God is wanting to get more of you. That's not about that God's going to know. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to create a need in your life where, where you have to surrender a little bit more to me. I'm wanting to create a, I'm wanting to create a, a gap in your life where you're going to have to lean into me a little bit more, where you're going to have to hold on to me a little bit tighter. I'm wanting, why? Because, because whenever I lean into God more, I get closer to him. When I hold on to him, I get closer to him. And God is wanting to draw you closer and closer. The gap doesn't, shouldn't push you away from God. It should draw you closer into God. And in this moment, they were about to see the power of Jesus in a way they'd never seen the power of Jesus, but they would not have seen it if there wasn't a need. Come on, somebody. The need is necessary. The need is necessary. The gap is a gift. That was a free point. I just made that up. The gap is a gift. It's a gift. And so Philip is like, we don't have, we don't have the source to do all, we don't have the resources to do all this. We couldn't meet this need. I just want to say that it's a gift. And so then, then one of the other disciples, I, I love this. I would have loved to have, um, I'd love to have been a disciple in the 12. I am a disciple. Did you catch that? But I'd love to have been one of the 12 because I just think the uh, personality dynamics were so much fun. You know, you had the two that were always vying to be by Jesus and even their mom showed up one day. Are my boys gonna be on your left and right? Moms were doing it way back then. Is my son gonna be the starter? Is he not gonna? <laughs> oh, that was too real, sorry. <laughs> um, where was it? Verse eight. So another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, so this is Peter the hothead, this is his brother Andrew, spoke up and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So he was kind of like, Philip is like, we don't have anything. Andrew's like, I'm gonna at least show up with something. 
right? So he's like, here's a boy, Jesus. <laughs> not, we don't have much, Some little, little bit of fish, a little bit of you know, bread, here, but here's a boy, can, can you do something with him? And I think some of us feel that way sometimes. That we disqualify ourselves from being used by God because we think our little won't do much. I'm just, it's a little boy. It was a little lunch. And that's all we got to give. And we'll just go, well, the need's too great. I'm sure there's other people that, that could be used by God. I'm sure there's other people that could do something significant in God's kingdom, but I can't do it because I've just, all I got is little. I'm, I'm, I'm little in my faith. I'm little in my resources. I'm little in my ability. Maybe, maybe you just feel little in so many ways, and I just want to speak a word over your life that in the kingdom of God, little doesn't mean less. That little, little doesn't mean less in the kingdom of God because when you're willing to put your little in the hands of a great big God, your little becomes powerful in the hands of God because, come on, somebody help me preach this, because little isn't, I'll go over here to the students, they know how to, little isn't less in the kingdom of God. When you put what you have in God's hand, God is able to do something great with it because little isn't less. I thought about what, what Apostle Paul said in Corinthians when he said that God gives seed to the sower and those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will reap generously. And that's not like, that's just common sense. You know I mean, like I grew up, you know, working on a tobacco farm. I understood that if we just planted a little, we got a little, but if we planted a lot, we got a lot. Like that's just common sense, right? But what, what struck me about the verse was this, is that God supplies seed to the sower. And I've always preached that from God is the one that gives you the seed, which is true. But what I, what I had a, a little fresh rev on it this week is this, is that God gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the taker. He gives seed to the sower. So you know what God is looking for? He's looking for sowers. He's looking for little boys with little lunches that'll go, it may not be much, God, but if you'll give it to me, I'll sow it. If you'll put it in my hands, I'll steward it. If you'll bless me with it, I'll bless somebody else with it. I'm a sower. Any sowers in the house, wave your hand at every location. Say, God, I'm a sower right here, God. You can trust me. I'll bring my lunch. It may only be a little bit, but I'll bring my lunch. I may just have a little gift, but I'll bring it. I may just have a little faith, but I'll pray for you with the little faith I got. I may just have a smile, but I'll bring my smile and serve. I may just have a hug, but I'll bring my hug and serve. I may just have a little bit of lunch, but God, you can count on me to bring my lunch because I'm a sower. I'm a sower. Give me seed. Give me anointing. Give me the Holy Spirit. Give me power, God. Give me grace. I'll give grace. Give me compassion. I'll give compassion. I'm a sower. I'll bring my little lunch. Because I'm a sower. Because my little isn't less. Don't you ever let the enemy tell you that your little doesn't matter. Don't you ever let the enemy tell you that you're little. And don't you let the enemy ever convince you that your great is a gift to God. The moment we walk up in thinking we're doing God a favor by bringing our gift, we have got it backwards. Well, God, I showed up with my faith today. 
No, the Bible tells me it's God that gave you the faith. Little isn't less. Not in the kingdom of God. Little's powerful. It's mighty. When you put it in the hands of God. He said, here's a boy. That's all, that's all Jesus needed. Can I just, I want you to get this in your spirit. If you feel like I'm just little, that's all he needs. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Here I am. I got a little lunchbox. Here I am. All I got my little Toy Story lunchbox. That's what Jonas carries around all the time. He will lose his mind if you take it away from him. It's in our Christmas pictures, y'all. All I got my little Toy Story lunchbox. God's like, come on with it. I can do a whole lot with that. I can change a city with that. I can change a community with that. Come on, I can change a school with that. I can save some souls with that. I can restore some marriages with that. I can heal some bodies with that kind of faith. Just a little lunchbox faith. I can see addictions broken with that. Come on, I can plant some churches with that. Come on, somebody. I can open some campuses with that. I can touch a world. I just got little lunchbox faith. That's all I need. You bring your lunchbox faith to Jesus, and Jesus will multiply it to touch the multitudes. Look what happened. Y'all sit down. I'm going to keep preaching past my time. We're gonna call this message Lunchbox Faith. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down about 5,000 of them and Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Now we know from another account in another gospel that Jesus gave thanks and the disciples handed it out but they got as much as they wanted. I love that our God is a God of abundance. He didn't just give them a bite to get them through. He gave them as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. They left full. Can I tell you something? That God wants to use you in the lives of others and whereas they have tried and failed to be satisfied with everything the world has to offer them, that when God uses you to encounter Jesus, for Jesus to encounter, they will leave full on the inside. He won't just give them a bite to get through. He won't just satisfy them for a moment. Like the woman at the well, Jesus said, I am living water and you will never thirst again. I'm telling you, God wants a community that'll never thirst again because there's a church. Now, here's, here's what's amazing. Is I don't know where the miracle happened. I don't think that Jesus prayed and all of a sudden it was a, enough to feed 20,000. The text doesn't indicate that. Said he blessed it and gave it to the disciples. So he took the five loaves, there were 12 of them. So. He divided it up between 12. Little, little piece of bread for you, little piece of bread for you. Here you go, Peter. Here you go, Judas. I know what you're gonna do. Here you go, Matthew. Here you go. I just wonder if Jesus ever threw those things in there. Here you go, Judas. 
You know what I mean? I would. I totally would have, but I, that's why I'm not son of God. I would have done a whole lot of crazy stuff. And so they start handing it out. Here's a piece for you. Here's a piece for you. Here's a piece for you. As it started withering away, then it grew. It had to grow back in their hands. Next line, here's a piece for you. They had to be like getting jacked out of their mind. Oh my goodness. It, it keeps replenishing itself. Gee, Peter did it do it for you. It did it for me too. Keeps replenishing itself because they put their gift in Jesus' hand. Watch this. Then Jesus put it back in their hand and the miracle took place in their hand. I'm just trying to show you that if you'll put your life in Jesus' hand, Jesus will put it back in your hand and the miracle will take place in your hand. Somebody give him praise today. If you can say, I'm available. Come on, shout, I'm available. Come on, I'm available. I'm available. When you're willing to put what he's already given you in your hand, his hand, he'll put it back in your hand. And that's where miracles happen. In this season, I'm praying you'll put your entire self in his hand. God, all of me, here I am. I'm available. And watch what he does. He'll put it back in your court and you'll see it multiply in your very hand. Will you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, the greatest miracle ever recorded in scripture isn't the dead being raised. It's not blinded eyes being opened. It's not bread multiplying to feed thousands of people. All that is amazing. The greatest script miracle ever recorded in scripture and the greatest miracle still happening today is when someone far from God comes close to God. The greatest miracle is when our sins are completely 100% forgiven. And for some of you, that's your greatest need today is to say, Jesus, here I am. Tried it my way, I've done religion. Maybe you're here today and you've walked away and you're like, God, here I am again. Here's what I love about our God. His mercies are new every morning. He welcomes you home. And the Bible teaches us that we all have this issue called sin and all of us are in that boat. And it says the wages of our sin is death. That's really bad news, but the really great news is the gift of God is eternal life. And you can have that today. You can have a brand new beginning today, a fresh start. The way we receive it, Paul told us in Romans, he said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you're saying, God, I surrender. I'm available to you, 100%. And you'll believe in your heart that he got up out of the grave, the resurrection. The Bible says you will be saved, not based on your good works so that you don't get the credit for it, but based on the grace of God. So in just a moment, if that's, where you're at, you say, Pastor, I need that today. I know in my heart I'm far from God. Some of you, you would, if someone asked you, are you a Christian? You'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm, no, I'm far from God. Then this moment is for you. Moment, we're gonna pray together. And there's nothing magical in the prayer. It's just me helping you talk to God. What's powerful is your faith. If you mean it, believe it. 
then on the authority of God's word, today you'll know your sins are forgiven. You have a brand new beginning. And so church, let's pray this out loud boldly for the benefit of those praying for the very first time. Come on, every location, no matter where you're joining us from, just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, every location. Let's celebrate those who made that decision. It's the greatest decision of your life. And we want to be a part of this journey with you. I, I want to know about this decision. If you would, so no matter where you're joining us from, get out your mobile device right now and text the keyword LCS to 94,000, LCS to 94,000. Um, I wanna send a book I wrote to you a couple of years ago, completely for free. It's my gift to you and it's called Fully Alive and it's all about how to begin and stay in this journey of walking with Jesus. And so if you made that decision, text the keyword LCS to 94,000 and we will send that into the mail to you this week. We would love the honor of doing that. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.